Hello listeners, this is Future James. The recording you're about to hear was um, the audio track taken from a YouTube live stream that we did uh, in uh, early March 2023 as part of the Assassin's Creed Community Relief Fundraiser. This was a two-week fundraiser that we did to raise money for Save the Children and their efforts to assist children in Turkey and Syria who were affected by the, the terrible earthquakes there. This episode was originally a YouTube live stream. We had myself, Declan, Arshak, White Wolf Whispers, and a special guest, Darby McDevitt, on the on the show. We took questions from um, Twitter and from the Assassin's Creed subreddit, all about revelations and Darby's work um, on that game. Now, while Darby was talking and we were asking the questions, on the live stream version on YouTube, I was playing some revelations memories in the background. So you will hear from time to time sounds and, and background noise from the game audio that was broadcast on the live stream. Um, you will also hear the occasional audio um, uh, issue where the sound slightly changes or cuts in and out. That's just uh, the downside of using a Discord voice call um, for this live stream. But we, uh, we wanted to, to release this as a pure audio track as well for our podcast listeners. And we hope you enjoy the conversation. And we are live. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Welcome to a special live stream of Let's Talk Assassin's Creed. The number one show for all things Assassin's Creed. Hello, everyone. Uh, yes, and welcome to this special episode of Let's Talk Assassin's Creed. Uh, we're joined by uh, not one, not two, but three special guests. Um, let's introduce everybody uh, who you'll be hearing today. Declan, you should introduce yourself first. <laughs> Hello, I'm Declan. I'm one half of the podcasting team Let's Talk Assassin's Creed and a very big Assassin's Creed nerd. <laughs> and I'm James, the other half of Let's Talk Assassin's Creed, who you've probably heard before and, uh, yeah, been co-hosting this show with Declan now for about a year and a half. Arshak, over to you. Hello, hello. I am Arshak, the founder of AC Landmarks, and yeah, I'm here to uh, talk with um, the Assassin's Creed community uh, and it, and one of its writers uh, for the Assassin's Creed community re relief that we are doing. Um, how about you, Wolfie? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I am White Wolf Whispers. Please call me Wolfie. It's a whole lot easier to say. I am um, pretty much a moderator in lots of different places, but my original home is the Assassin's Creed subreddit. Um, I just like Assassin's Creed and I get into different communities and end up being a mod there. So it works out very well. Um, I'm also just a throw out uh, a um, Ubisoft uh, star players. So I'm very well entrenched in this uh, in this community very nice nice and darby welcome uh, to the show hello uh thanks for having me i'm uh, i guess i'm darby mcdevitt and i'm a an assassin's creed writer and narrative designer director person have been for a little while a minute <laughs> Ooh. And it's very happy i'm very happy to be here and for this cause um so thank you all for inviting me that's a great segue to talk about the cause, Arshak. Yeah, thank thank you for joining us for the for the cause. So yeah, um, we are here uh, to uh, fundraise 
for the Assassin's Creed Community Relief, which our uh, cause is uh, d directed towards uh, thing sending relief to the uh, to Syria and Turkey. Uh, they recently went through a horrible uh, earthquake that changed many lives in uh, those countries. So uh, we are here to basically raise funds and have a, you know community time questions with with Darby um, while 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 the donations are coming in, and it's also a, a way to say thank you um, to our donors uh, for for donating for the cause and uh, causing great change, uh, great good change to uh, many of the people that have uh, that have had their lives altered uh, in the in the past month. So yeah, uh, thank you guys everyone for for being here it's gonna be a good time uh to, to talk about assassin's creed and raise money with you guys <laughs> yep. it's, it's, is the is there... uh the donation information is on the screen right it is we have the overlay on we passed um <laughs> we we keep raising the uh, the goal because the community is so generous and um we've had so many people host streams um so many donors um, giving generously and yeah we crossed over fifteen thousand dollars yesterday um our new goal is twenty thousand dollars and uh, i think uh, this community doesn't cease to, to to be generous and i think we'll hit it um before the end of uh, week two of this event and yes the the numbers are on the screen so people watching you can see um, where we are and if we get any donations today that would be very nice and you'll see that appearing on the screen as well Wonderful. Very, very exciting. So, yes, we did um, poll or uh, we put out uh, posts and tweets about uh, gathering up questions uh, for today's event. Some of the questions are kind of like amongst ourselves. And then some of the questions uh, came from the subreddit and some of the questions came from AC Landmark's uh, Twitter uh, thread. And I, I think we have a, a good selection of questions. I think... Um, at the beginning, the majority of them are going to be based on AC Revelations. Uh, but we have some yeah. other questions. Then we have some rapid-fire questions. And we have, hopefully, we can kind of end with uh, some silly questions. And we just, we, we've got a good mix of things today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, shall we make a start? Um, so, Darby. Yes, I yes sir. Ask you, <laughs> uh, I want to ask you, since since the fundraiser is focused on both Syria and Turkey, uh, have you been to those countries? What what landmarks did you uh, love to visit um, if you went there? Or what, what landmark would you like to visit from these two games that we are focusing on during the fundraiser? Uh, yeah, actually, during the... Um... Well, so when we make Assassin's Creed games, we often take uh, research trips to the locations where we're making a game. Um, Revelations happened in such a short time that we didn't really have time for a research trip, but when the game was finished and we were doing uh, basically our final press tour where we um, invite uh, a number of press outlets to come and just play the game for five hours or whatever, uh, we actually hosted a press event in Europe, the, the European one, 
Uh, there was a separate one in the North America, but in the European one was actually in uh, Istanbul, uh, which is the current name for Con Constantinople. It was actually called Istanbul way back then too. But um, so we were in Istanbul for five days, I think. And what was really lovely is uh, I'd done enough research on the game by that point and in the course of writing it that I was able to be paired with a woman, a local woman, who was taking people on a tour. And so we would split this tour and I would sort of give a kind of a tour based on what was in the game and she would give more of a deeper historical um, overview of the location. Um, and we, we, we went to a lot of the major sites that are featured in the game. So the Hagia Sophia, the Grand Bazaar, um, the, uh, the cisterns, the really crazy, uh, you know, Roman Byzantine cisterns that are beneath the, uh, the Ezio visits and, um, at, yeah. at one point in one of the LGSs, yeah, the, uh, Galata Tower, um, it was a beautiful city, um, and we had such a great time and just, just wandering the city. And of course, now the number of, uh, the mosques there is like, you know, quite a bit more than what was there in in uh, Ezio's time so right. we didn't get to we didn't get to put in all the beautiful mosques um, but I visited a lot of them and the the Grand Bazaar was fantastic and just the the ritual of going in there and seeing now I didn't buy very much anything significant but like the the ritual of seeing like a, if a person's going in to buy a, um, a carpet and it's like, okay, we're going to haggle about this carpet. We're going to sit down. We're going to go get you tea. Some kid's going to run off and buy get, get tea and bring it back. And we're going to sit down. We're going to drink tea and talk about the price of this carpet. And just the, the, the life and vitality of that place and the gigantic stacks of spices that you would see everywhere and these mountains wow. of spices. It was, uh, it was, you know, I'd never been, um, I'd never been, I think, east of probably Cologne, <laughs> like, uh, up until that point, so it was wonderful to just get a, a, a completely different view of the world, and and I had a, such a great time. And so I rec I do recommend a, a trip to Istanbul for anyone really who's listening. Like, I really like the fact that you that uh, I mean I've seen the Dev Diary for like uh, for like Revelations, and oh, yeah. I I saw that uh, there was like uh, sound sound work done. And yes. Yes. Mosque. And yeah. in the Grand Bazaar, so like whatever you hear in Hagia Sophia, inside Hagia Sophia, for example, is the actual atmosphere of Hagia Sophia or, yeah. or, or the Grand Bazaar, which yeah. is really cool to capture the culture. Yeah, the audio team, the audio team has this tool where they basically put a bunch of little sound emitters inside a space, and then they 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 do a kind of a frequency sweep where it's like, <laughs> right, and then they catch all the reflections. And they're able to then model those reflections as a as a digital reverb, so that they can now apply that in the game. So if a sound impulse is made, it can it can echo and reflect exactly how it would have in that historical space. So we did that for a few spaces in uh, in, in in Revelation. I wonder if we've, we've I'm sure we've used that in other places too in other games, but being in a in a a mosque of that size is you know. It's actually, it, we're infrequent. It's infrequent now in Assassin's Creed, right? I think maybe in AC2, uh, there were interiors like that, but there's not that many interiors we've gone to, especially in the latest trilogy where the, the interiors are a bit smaller and more modest, right? especially in Valhalla. Like, this is an accurate longhouse echo. Like, 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, not really that exciting. It's a, yeah, it's a it's a giant gigantic mosque, and I mean the Hagia Sophia holds holds a very very uh, special place in in Turkey's um, history, and I mean that's that's also like uh, the other part of the question that I wanted to ask you, uh, which is uh, like what prompted you to choose Istanbul as the conclusion? It wasn't of Metsios, it wasn't me. So. It wasn't me, I just, so I don't know the... I presume it was the beauty of the city. But I was... because... Um, a, because uh, Revelation started out as the DS game Lost Legacy, and I was working in Seattle at the time for a company called Gryptonite, and so Ubisoft gave us, said, hey, we want you to make a game set in, in the Ottoman Empire. So we, it wasn't like our choice. So I don't actually uh. know the... I don't know the rationale behind it. But I do know that they thought, man, it's actually too good of a city to put on a DS game. So they canceled that game and then invited me over to to Ubisoft Montreal to write the the AAA game. So I I've never actually asked who had that decision. I presume it might have been it might have been Patrice, you know, the 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 original team, because it was that game was being the the DS game in Istanbul was being worked on the same time that Brotherhood was being conceived, so ah, it might have been. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, they made the else. right decision by by, yeah, by yeah. hiring you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to. I do want to point out that we are now over sixteen thousand. Assassin's wow. Creed series has generously Beautiful. donated enough to put us up over. Yes, <laughs> very exciting. Yeah. Thank you, Assassin's Creed series. Please be generous. This is a yeah. This was a devastating earthquake, and it hit a lot of very uh, remote areas that are that that are, really need this kind of assistance. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so in uh, HC Revelations, at what point in development was it decided to connect the stories of Altair, Ezio, and Desmond? Um, ah. Were the were the Altair memories originally written? when uh revelations was going to be that nintendo game or what are they yeah. kind of brought over yeah. into yeah that's a good question that's actually a, a one of those what wonderful examples that when your opportunities change your and your, your creative um impulses change with it so when it was a ds game just like a D ac discovery and ac bloodlines it did not have a present day so that meant there would there would have been no desmond uh, whatsoever in the ds game the, the plot was roughly similar, although it was set in about 1507 and not 1511, like the Revelations is Lost Legacy. And it, so it just followed Ezio, but he was doing the same basic thing. He was trying to find a way into this Masyaf hidden library sanctum thing. Um, so Altair was involved, or that, uh, he was, let's say, the motivating factor. But there were no Altair memories um, playable in the DS game as well. So then when we transfer it to a AAA game and it becomes directly after Brotherhood, okay, now you have to have Desmond, right? Because it's the continuation of Desmond's story. So that was the first thing that changed. It's let's rethink the story, but let's make it, you know, meaningful to Desmond. Like, why does he have to go through these memories? Um, so immediately we add Desmond memories and we had Subject 16 because we thought, hey, let's, you know, let's finally pull back the veil on him. A little bit um, and then and th there was an original idea that maybe the the revelations would be a really big multiplayer offering 
because you know the multiplayer game was also a, a big thing at the time and there was idea that maybe this will be a multiplayer offering plus a little bit more ex extra Ezio stuff not more than a DLC but maybe a smaller thing but then when the kind of the you know the we we kind of read the reaction about brotherhood and we like realize oh Ezio is a beloved character let's let's really give him a good send off so they actually said you know what um you can actually make a longer single player game make it a bigger Ezio story it probably would have originally been like maybe a 4 hour Ezio story like a really brief wrap up but they gave us let's say the equivalent of do 10 more missions i'm i'm just off the top of my head but we're giving you you know a budget to do 10 more missions so extend the story a little bit so we did but we thought how can we make it even more interesting and i and i do recall sitting and just with alex amancio the creative director and it's probably in like march of the game that the year the game came out and saying like why don't we add playable altair sections the original idea though was to have altair sections in istanbul back so this would have been this would have been this would have been before the Ottoman conquest. We had to nix that idea because the city would have had to change drastically. You would not have had any presence of the Ottoman Empire there, which means all the minarets would have had to come down. Any sort of, you know, reference to, uh, you know, Islam as a as a as a religion or the the Ottoman culture, because it was a it was a, it was, a, quote unquote, a Roman or Byzantine town. Uh, back in t 11, well, I guess this would have been about 12-something, 12 12, let's say 12.05, I don't know. Um, so that, as the world director, a guy named Mustafa, he kind of looked at it and was like, ah, no, we'd have to, we'd basically have to make two different Istanbuls. You have to make the pre-Ottoman and the post-Ottoman. So we said, well, what's a different way that you can um, uh, bring Altair into it? And we're like, well, let's go back to Masyaf. I'm like, okay, yeah. So we made we made a pre you know pre uh, let's say a pre Mongols and a post Mongols Masyaf, um, and so that that actually became the way we did it. And we said, okay, we'll have five or six memories with Altair, um, and it was really exciting. And I remember the the mission director Falco. We we just like sat down like, okay, what's the coolest way to like reuse Masyaf? Um, so it worked out. I, I in my heart, I would have really loved the uh, the. Uh, Altair in, in Constantinople idea because then you'd, you'd have this like Altair did this you know intense parkour path and now Ezio has to do this same thing. Oh, um, kind of like how it started. How well, Ace you know, like it started with like yeah, exactly, exactly, Ariel? yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, but okay. also like Brotherhood, where you know like Ezio puts an apple somewhere and boom, now Desmond gets to go get it. You know that kind uh, of okay. you know that that feeling would have been really cool. Yeah. Um, but really, a lot of work. Um, it's, but it's really cool. It's really cool that that you that you guys incorporated both like Syria and and Turkey in one game. I mean, a thing. Uh, Mas Masyaf is in Syria, um, and yeah, and Turkey. Uh, well, Istanbul is in Turkey. So, like you know, AC Revelations is like you know a good mix of both, and it's um yeah it's like really cool how that how that turned out um cool. but yeah like you were uh, wolfie you wanted to ask a question about the altair memories yeah were there any others uh well you kind of touched upon this um were there any others you wanted to bring up in revelations 
Um, mm. You bringing up the Polo brothers, for example, was very specific as you showed um, them sailing to Constantinople. Any other historic moments that you wanted to include? I don't think so. I think I think the dream would have probably been that we just wanted to expand on them as much as yeah. possible. The the uh, like I sat in a room with the writer of the novel and we sort of planned out more stuff. So maybe maybe there was a moment where some of the stuff that's in the novel that's not in the um, game might have made it in. Uh, but we but that that's a much broader story. Yeah. Um, so I think it would probably been more like, like I'm sure we wanted to do a, maybe we, like when the Mongols attack and destroy Masyaf, I think maybe we would have wanted to do more with that. But um, I don't think there was anything major cut. It's like, like I said, it, it was a, it came late in the idea in the in the development. So we didn't get too ambitious with it. It's not like we said like we have ten Altair moments and we cut it to five. I you think had one we year always, to make it. <laughs> yeah, I think we always had five moments maybe six but i don't think anything drastic got cut they're mm. definitely some of my favorite moments from from revelations yeah. for sure it was it was great it was fun yeah it was fun to go back to that i mean i never wrote for altair you know which was it was fun to to fill him out as a character and make yeah. him make him true. age so um thing uh sticking to the the historical aspect of things um since you know ac landmarks and stuff anyway uh which historical figure in ac revelations were you most excited to write about um uh which landmarks were you most excited to incorporate into the, into the story uh if you want to also answer that like you know uh i know i know suleiman was was also a figure that uh you wrote wrote about so um this is like a like a, yeah. se a second parter to the question from Servalon's fl uh, flowers. Uh, how did you research and write the character of Suleiman? Yeah, just uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think uh, Re Revelations was my first, you know, uh, console or let's say triple A or mainline title. Um, I know that I did a a decent amount of research at the time, but I don't think. Like if I look at the amount of research I do now for Assassin's Creed games, I would have called that a, a paltry attempt. I don't really recall like diving into a specific source of, of Suleiman. Like he's, you know, all told, he's a, he's a cool character, but he, we don't go too in depth to his character. And and of course, it, he's depicted before he's actually the the Sultan of of the Empire. So. Um, He's young. There's, yeah, there's not much to draw on. And like I said, the um, Lost Legacy was going to be set about five years earlier, so he would have been even younger. He would have been about 12 or 13. Um, so mm. we aged him up a bit. That actually might have been a reason why we changed the timeline, so we could actually have a bit more of a you know a wise teenager, <laughs> Suleiman, rather than a, a young teenager. Um, he was fun to write for. A character that I wanted to appear more in the game... Uh, would have been Selim, his father, uh, who there was Ahmet and Selim, and they were kind of at war during this time. Um, and Selim spent most of his time, if I recall, outside uh, Istanbul. Like he wasn't really, he was kind of amassing an army and he was threatening to come in and sweep up and take over. Um, Which he did. 
<laughs> yeah, which he which he eventually did, and then yeah. Suleiman took over after him, after about eight years, I think. Um, I wanted a bit. I think I wanted a bit more of that tension in the game, but we just couldn't find a place for it because it wasn't like we were doing the outskirts of you know Istanbul. It was just the city, and then there was a bit of Cappadocia. Um, so yeah, you couldn't really show that kind of thing. Um, with regard to the other part of your question. I think it was the Grand Bazaar that was always the most interesting to me because as soon as you think about the Grand Bazaar, this labyrinthine structure, you, the gameplay ideas and the the idea of using it for gameplay, running through it and over the top of it, always struck me as like that's going to be cool. There's going to be yeah, it is cool moments and you can get lost in there and it'll be fun. I think uh, I think that was it. Um, following following Janissaries and yeah, exactly and, uh, the. The thief uh, that was connected to like Sophia or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was like uh, pretty pretty cool stuff. Um, uh, James, uh, I think you're 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 playing the uh, the Yusuf uh, memory. That's cool. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we're gonna be like playing. Uh, Fan favorite memories. Maybe, maybe we can play your favorite memory too, Darby. Uh, thing. What's your favorite memory uh, from from AC Revelations? Well, it would be probably in the making of it and not in the playing of it. I can barely remember the game now because <laughs> all all when you're when you make things like this, all you see is the ingredients that went in to make it. You know, like you're you're the chef and you know how the sausage is made. So it's like I don't see I cannot see these games as stories and like experiences. All I see is the technical uh wizardry that went behind making it. Like I'll be like, "Oh, that animation could have been better." Ah. That line yeah. could have been better. Why did I put a comma there? You know, things like that. Um, <laughs> you know, why did I? Why does the hook, hook blade have two parts? Why, <laughs> oh, we, we're coming to yeah, that. Yeah, we're I know. Coming I know. To that <laughs> <laughs> so it's so so. What what's a favorite favorite memory while writing it? I one of the things that so when you're working on a game like this and you're a creator and you're you you see every stage of the game right i see i saw istanbul when it was just gray boxes you know gray box buildings and you start running around it and you start you start getting a sense of of what the game's going to feel like and whatever and, and one of my favorite parts in any assassin's creed game i imagine this is the case for a lot of people who work on open worlds is when you f first start to see the art come in and you can run around the city one of the things I love doing is that I'll run around a city as it's coming together and I'll just look for places that I think might be oh this will be this will make an interesting scene here or or it'll make a you know an intense moment or whatever you do, it's like getting inspired by your own game as it comes together is really really quite fun um, so those are actually my favorite memories of just seeing Istanbul come together Especially the E3 demo, right? Because it, we worked on that part first. So walking, walking through that market and seeing spices, and I have a really distinct memory of our animation director Kama at E3. And I was watching her demo the game, and there was an, an older Italian journalist who, I don't think he was very, I don't think he was, he was probably sent by his newspaper to go, hey, go cover E3. But he wasn't like much of a gamer. 
So he was just looking in awe, and his nose was like six inches to the screen. He was looking at all the beautiful detail as Ezio was walking down this path. He's like, stop! That fish right there, can you eat those fish? Oh, man. <laughs> and, and Kama was like, no, it's just for decoration. Okay, so he walks on. Wait, stop! Those spices! Can you eat those spices? It's like, no. No, you can pretty much just climb things and kill people. And, he's like, and he was very disappointed because he thought, like, maybe this was the first open world game he'd ever seen. He's like, oh, I could just, I could just, you know, rent an apartment in Istanbul and uh, live my life and maybe meet some friends and go, you know, hang out. It's like, no, it's an Assassin's Creed game. There's just certain things you can do and the rest is set dressing. <laughs> but it was really, it was really beautiful because it was like really genuine. He was really enamored with the setting and, and uh oh, who? Just back ejected it off of the Galata Tower. I don't know if I don't know if our our, our audio <clears throat> synced up with the, uh, the so video, but when you were giving your your answer, and about thirty seconds ago, I put my hands up like this. That was me back ejecting off the Galata Tower, and now the <laughs> oh, live okay, stream has okay. caught up. So back okay, so, back yeah. back to the story. I'm having a great time. You carry at on. At least it happened after, <laughs> and not at least happened after, and not before. Because I, I, I look like I was prescient or something, like I had some powers. <laughs> anyway, all right. <laughs> Declan, go ahead with your question. So were there any other historical figures that you're thinking of incorporating into Revelations, be it from Altair's time uh, or Ezio's? I don't think so. I don't think... Uh, maybe there was... So I think Suleiman's grandfather was Bayezid, if I'm saying that correctly. Bayezid, um, the the father of Selim and Ahmed. Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think so. Like I said, like um, I don't think this period in 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 Istanbul's history and the Ottoman history is like incredibly rich. It's it's like sandwiched between major events. Like, um, what does Suleiman become uh -oh. Sultan? It's like fifteen twenty. What happened? Uh oh. <laughs> Guess what I just did. Oh, twice in a row. Twice, twice. <laughs> anyway, I'm okay, going to go okay, into another okay. memory. You carry on. Do you want us to just be quiet while you, you know, finish this? <laughs> you know, we, can so we, can root, we can root for you. Okay. <laughs> and the worst thing is that this, the, the, it's, out of, it's out of sync. So. Yes. Um, uh, and actually, from a historical, po a non-historical point of view, maybe there was a moment where we wanted to get, uh, you know, like Claudia in there, uh, Ezio's sister, um, but that ended up being just written letters to her um, in the, you know, uh, interim sequences between sequences, interim moments. So no, yeah. I think I think I think uh, Revelations is kind of what you see is what we intended, by and large. Maybe even yeah. more, because like like I said, it was originally supposed to be a bit smaller, and we got the go ahead from, you know, our, the the editorial Corporate. team in Paris to be like, hey, make it bigger. Oh. So, so uh, so I think it's more than we intended. Actually, we all got excited. Ten more yeah. missions? What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> the possibilities. <laughs> more Ezio is better Ezio. Yeah. More more Altair. Uh, yeah, exactly. Ezio. Um, I so think, some... uh, yeah, move to yep. your question, yep. Wolfie, yeah. Yep, some of my favorite scenes are uh, from some of the more emotional moments, uh, like Darim saying goodbye to his father 
when he says, all that is good in me, Father, began with you. And then um, Ezio's love letter to Sophia at the end of Embers. Mm -hmm. uh, I was just curious how how easy it is to write these more emotional moments. Is it just something that you you, you got to feel the moment or is it something that, oh, I wrote that down and now I got to bring it into the story? Hmm. That's a good question. I um, I don't know that it's, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how that sort of thing works. Um, but what I do know is that you you have to, in order to, in order to make an emotional scene possible, you have to have found the right story. You ha you'd have to have started from, let's say, good first premises, right? Like if you're, if you're, let's say, a, let's say someone's writing. A, I'm not going to name any names because I'm just making up a generic example. But <clears> let's <throat> say there's a, a game where the entire story is just, hey, there's a really bad guy. Um, he needs to die, and because he's he's just making people miserable, and he needs to die. And you're like, okay. That's great. That's a very simple, straightforward story. In that premise, there's all there's kind of like, well, that the ending is self-evident. If this guy's bad, he needs to die, and you're a good guy, so you got to kill him. You don't actually find much room for drama or high stakes, right? So the the story has to have some high stakes, um, and uh, to begin with, so that as you're writing, you can discover these moments, like, oh my gosh, this is. An emotional moment. This this could be an emotional moment where the the main character is struggling between this and that. And so, if you start with embers, it's like okay, Ezio clearly by the beginning of the game or the movie seems to be in sick. So if you start with a premise like, is he going to make it to the end of this movie? <laughs> like that's a good that's a good premise to start with, right? And then you can find emotional moments. Um, or with revelations, right? Like he's he meets the idea. The intended idea was that Ezio is an assassin. He's going to get some. He's, he wants to follow in Altair's footsteps, um, and, uh, and and yet along the way, he finds all these reasons to actually stop being an assassin. Like he meets this woman named Sophia. He gets involved in this um, this this war between brothers in Istanbul where. It, it's it's hard to see what the correct answer is because the Templar in it Ahmed seems to be the more reasonable one and Selim seems to be like the, the maybe the cruel one. Um, so who do you back or do you back or do you not even get involved in it at all because it's not your fight? Um, and so that that was kind of the question running through I think Ezio's mind is like how long am I going to do this? How long am I going to be an assassin? And that's why at the end he's like okay I've done enough I've seen enough uh, time to time to pass on pass it on. Um, and so if you can start with those premises, then then it becomes easier as you write it to be like, oh man, you know, I've written myself into a, a tough moment. Like, um, yeah, like I, I didn't have kids at the time I wrote Revelations, um, but I kind of maybe imagined what it would be like to have kids and, or, or to, I was a son and I obviously have a father. So, you know, I that sentiment, I guess I was just drawing from my own personality and saying like hey you know my dad's got all these cool good qualities and and you know i i'm happy to have to say that i take after him in some ways maybe not on all of ways um he's a fighter pilot so i'm, not, I'm also, not a fighter pilot i'm not a fighter pilot um that anyway yeah that, so. that that uh that that saying like you know uh all that is good in me father you know uh uh, all that is good in me began with you, Father. 
I mean, it re- it resonated with me because like I, I take I take my uh, video game uh, video game nerd like and like historical uh, historical uh, the love I have for video games and for history I take it from my father. So mm-hmm. when when you when Doreen said that to Altair, I'm like, oh wow. The, the, this game just like is speaking you got to up, me. you got up and you walked in and you gave your dad a hug uh yeah basically yeah <laughs> um yeah and, and, and it's, it's yeah, also it, i would say i would say that um good writing also i think i i hope is that people saying things that resonate in a way that's um could be true but is not obviously true like you don't want you know you don't want characters going like you know the sky is blue. You know, yeah, we all know that. But you you want to like feel like you're unearthing like truths that were hard to actually pinpoint. But then when somebody says it, you go, oh, that's really be-, you know that I never thought of it that way. Or yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> writers, if you are listening to this podcast, take notes. Take well, notes. no, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but but I mean, we're learning from you, uh, which which we're grateful. Um, and and I also I also wanted to uh, remind people that uh, if you are just joining us, uh, we are asking Darby community questions and uh, we're we're taking donations for Assassin's Creed. Uh, Community relief, uh, which is helping uh, kids in Syria and Turkey, uh, basically be taken care of um, after the horrible earthquakes that have happened. Um, so, so yeah, we're just gonna continue on asking questions. But thank, thank you, thank you so much for your uh, generous d- d- donations. Uh, We've received a lot of uh, donations since since uh, we've been asking questions. Uh, so yeah, uh, thank you, thank you so much, AC Series Six Keys Master Master Hikate. Um, your your donations are really appreciated. Um, but anywho, let <laughs> let's let's continue on with more yep. questions so uh, the next question is a community question this is from tax alex who actually is one of our most generous <laughs> um, donators um his question is with revelations and numbers you wrote one of the most emotional goodbyes for a video game character if you had the opportunity which characters do you wish you could have done more with maybe not even just revelations but throughout the series in any of the characters mm-hmm. you've written for mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I I think uh, it, it's it's probably a lot of minor characters. Like I would have done. I would have loved to do something with Yusuf in Revelation. Oh yes, I love Yusuf um, so. I would have loved to do like a, like a like a weird wacky, uh, Anne Bonny Mary Reed Calico Jack <laughs> spinoffs spinoff game. Oh wow! Like, ends in like awesome. horrible tragedy. Maybe it ends right before the tragedy, but you know like. You know, um, the, uh, maybe some stuff on Ducho. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He just gets like a point and click graphic adventure game where he's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, just constantly being hit by women. <laughs> the, oh, who else? I'm going down the line of the games uh, I've, I've written. Maybe maybe another, or maybe more Altair and Maria. That would have been cool. Oh, um, that would have been awesome. Um, and actually, there like some Templars, I think too, like a like a like a Woods Rogers game or something. <laughs> so I don't know. Cause he was a, Woods Rogers was quite an interesting chap. So like it'd be great to young Woods Rogers figure out how he gets that scar and all that. Well, he was actually shot in the face. That's how he got that scar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Really yeah, Ben Hornigold would have been a good one. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, Blackbeard, and it, have like little little DLC spinoffs for all those. You get to do like a, you know a couple hour long missions with each of the pirates, and then <laughs> and then you then you reconvene to see them all die. <laughs> Assassin's yeah, yeah. Creed gets a spinoff of just historical figures living their lives as yeah. action as possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, that would be that would be cool. Um, so. Let's move to the other uh, question, Declan. Um, you you have a question uh, from from uh, someone in the community, right? Uh, yeah, it's from Justin I. Um, what was the writing process like for AC Revelations, and do you feel like you accomplished what you set out to do with the narrative? Yeah. So it, that was like I like we've kind of talked about before. That was a weird one because. I did a lot of research in 2010, early 2010, um, in Seattle, just outside Seattle. Uh, I lived in Seattle, but the, the game company was like 15 miles outside Seattle in a place called Kirkland, but I just love Seattle so much, so I suffered that commute. Um, but I wrote a script for this game, Lost Legacy, uh, that then the game was to... Well, we we were told, hey, we're you know we're not going forward this this game. Little did you know we know that the, the behind the scenes Ubisoft were like planning to upres it. So uh, I get this call a couple months later. I actually decided I was going to quit uh, video games for a little while because I wanted to go take some film editing classes. So I had the script with me, um, but it was it was kind of the property of Ubisoft really. But I, it was on my computer, and. Um, I decided oh, I'm going to go to New York and take film editing classes. And as I'm like driving through Gordon, Nebraska, I get a phone call from uh, uh, Ubisoft. That says, "Do you want to do you want to work for us and write this game?" So I said yes. And so I took those film editing classes. Um, and my visa wasn't going to come through for like many months. So this is now October of 2010. So I'm actually having long distance meetings with the team, the Revelations team, and I'm I'm starting to like deconstruct my first script, figure out if there's anything I want to keep from it. But as we develop the story, I basically just start writing this new script for Revelations in about November of 2010, uh, as they're just starting to get going on it. I'm like living in a place in Queens, like North Queen Astoria in Queens. Uh, in a basement apartment just writing this script as I go to film editing classes during the day. And as soon as that's over and as soon as my visa comes through, I go up to Montreal in, in January of 2011. So I've, I've already been writing kind of on my own. And as soon as they give me my desk, I like I, I plop all of my writing into our script writing tool, um, which is basically like final draft, but it's our own kind of thing. 
and I start doing that. And by you know February, March, I have a, a draft of something. But then we're like, oh, let's add Altair. So I like, okay, go back, rewrite. And so I, I remember by about April, May, having a pretty complete script. And then we had to do all the voice recording by probably like the, by the end of May or something. It was in those days that we weren't actually doing any motion capture with the live actors. What we would do is we would write the script, record it, and then put that script on a timeline and we'd have actors mime to it, right? Um, AC3 was the first one to do actual motion capture. Um, and so you can, I think you can tell, like the quality goes um, and, uh, and we've done that ever, you know, ever since into very various degrees. But so it was really easy to like record, write and record the script really quickly and, and then record the dialogue because we weren't relying on like, you know, booking motion capture time, doing all that. Like that's, that can be a long and intensive process. Um, the, the results are fantastic, but it can be very uh, intense. Um, yeah. So then post E3, we made some tweaks to the script. Post E3, I remember is the last, I stayed behind in Los Angeles and we were using a studio in Los Angeles because Roger was down there, Roger Craig Smith and a lot of other actors. There was a, um, a studio down there. I can't remember what they were called, but they were in Venice Beach. So I would stay in a hotel down there and go to go to work every day at this studio uh, for a week while we finished up all the rest of the dialogue recording. Um, so that that was direct, whatever, whenever E3 2011 was, the dialogue was finished after that. By that, you're like, yeah, you're done with the script. The last thing you record or the, that you write is all the code, the, uh, the what codex entries, I guess, or the not codex entries, but the the database entries, right? All the that's the last thing because it's just text, so you don't have to record anything. So really, the most intense writing that is a long answer for, <laughs> but <laughs> the, the the writing for Revelations happened between I'd say November 2010 and April 2011. Mm, so yeah. a good six a good six months um it's not a long game but i got to iterate on it quite a few times um, we always it, like it, it, well it, and that's a, i think it's a, is it a is it a hemingway quote writing is rewriting like i feel like that's my work certainly always gets better if i can rewrite and rewrite and rewrite because the first draft is always like looks almost more like a half of a Rodin statue, right? There's not a lot of detail. It's not all there. The, the motion and the, the beauty is not all there. You have to chisel away at it a little bit more. Um, so three, four rewrites are, are ideal. Um, and I'm sure I got to rewrite the, you know, like the final scene with Ezio and Altair and talk about it with the directors and, and, and really um, get, it, get it right. Mm, yeah. Thank you, thank you for that <laughs> elaborate answer. We always like like you to talk more about them. So, <laughs> next, I remember seeing I remember seeing a John Cage a John Cage interview where he he would have a stopwatch, and before he would answer a question, he'd do this. Or no, he had a random number generator from one to like a thousand, a hundred, and he would say like, okay, this next question I will answer in random number generator six seconds. Ah, <laughs> this nice. next one will be 73 seconds and he would have to stick to it. I should do that because- Well, well get, get ready for that for the rapid fire question. Okay, good, you're right. <laughs> All right, um, so um, James, yeah, yeah James, uh, you are up with your question. If you can just pause your game for just a minute. 
I can. I've finished uh, climbing Galata Tower now, so uh, okay. <laughs> let's let's hold to the questions. Uh, yes, um, Assassin's Creed has grown from a single game to a complex multimedia franchise with a huge army of characters, locations, and so on. Um, the fan wiki I checked when I wrote this question has over twenty two thousand articles. Yeah. Does this established history and set of characters does it? become restrictive for writers or does it provide a, a well of resources that you can use for telling new stories <clears throat> it's not restrictive uh, because the world is are the, the AC universe is pretty rich and pretty flexible uh, and you know there's a lot of history out there just uh, turn around and, and turn around and look behind you it's all there um, it, it is difficult though because um, it's I think sometimes, like, the dream for fans is that, oh, like, well, we've got it all, you know, we've got all this history, just go play all the games and go read all the Wikipedia articles and you'll know the history as well as we do, and then go write and make sure you don't contradict any existing lore. <laughs> the thing is, that's really hard, though, is sometimes you just, you don't know that there is something to know, you know, like, and, and even the best of us, like, um can make up something that has this weird connection to the past that you're like, oh yeah, it's it's even hard to know that that's actually a contradiction of something that was stated in the past. So what I try to do is, is kind of look at it like real history, which is, um, we can't even agree on real history, right? Like there are certain things that are difficult to know. Like, you know, let's say, let's take low hanging fruit, like the, like um, the conspiracy theory around, you know, how John F. Kennedy died, right? Um, that's like Assassin's Creed material right there. It's like there's a conspiracy there. There's a dearth of information about what actually went on. So you're free to kind of speculate and fill in the details. And there are people who are committed to certain narratives, right? There are other people who are just like, well, we just don't know. And, 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 and here's, the, here's the facts as we kind of know them. So I think that... Um, Maybe from the start that we had said like, hey, you know, there's genetic memory, but genetic memory is fallible because human memory is fallible. If we'd stated that at the outset, then we could have this kind of excuse for multi-layered, um, multi, uh, multiple interpretations of, of history, right? Something like the, the film Rashomon, right? Where an event happens but then four people tell the story of their memory of what happens, and it's all very different. I think maybe that's that's a kind of a a generous view of of how memory works and how history ought to work, and then how Assassin's Creed history ought to work. Is that sometimes people remember things differently? So you're, uh, I've always thought a really cool way of of handling it would be well. Actually, one thing that I thought would be interesting in Valhalla or any of the games where there's dialogue choice is to kind of have a have a mode at the at the back end where because um, because the um, what are the games uh, the Walking Dead does this after you play an episode it says 80% of people chose this one 53% of the people chose this one and that would kind of like be how the Isu calculations work if it was like if it was like 95% of people chose this choice then you could be like, well, then that's probably the truth because that's that's how many people synchronized in that way. Okay, but if it was like, oh, 50% or 30% chose this, 30% chose this, and 40% chose this, 
you'd be like, wow, we really don't know what the truth is here because we can't get like a real good, clear synchronization on that fact. Um, that, that would be an interesting way to, to treat genetic memory. Um, <laughs> maybe in the future. I also, I also I like... That's no promise. I got. <laughs> there's this one feature. There's this one feature I really liked in Black Flag, and I think it was in three as well. Um, you guys had us rating the memories. Um, I think it was only in XC4. I, I don't yeah, think it was yeah, in yeah. three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Syndicate had it as well, had, had randomly. Like, yeah, yeah, because it was we, it was in four because of the whole con the the conceit that you were part of Abstergo Entertainment. Oh yeah. Right. So. So it was just oh. kind of just it was justified like by your bosses going, did you like that sequence? Should we use that for oh, Devils of the Caribbean? <laughs> yeah, it's that's a deep. yeah. Mm. <laughs> I was just gonna um, <laughs> I was just gonna say on the point of that genetic memory, what you mentioned, Tabby, is an idea I had about Odyssey randomly. I did suggest to the community that with the choices you could have, this choice has a highest synchronization probability where this other choice may have a lower probability of synchronization and yeah. it shows that the memory may not be viable but from what the animus can sing this option may have a higher probability of being yeah the kind of yeah. memory and it's really yeah. to show that flexibility for memory yeah. yeah i think the the ideal ac game if we were to ever do that the ideal game would make it about that rather than just some sort of lore excuse for contradictions <laughs> but like Imagine a game where, like, trying to figure out the accurate accuracy was actually the entire point of the game. Um, that'd be really interesting. I would play that. Yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, so uh, due due to the time that we have, um, Wolfie, do you do you want to go to yeah. the next question? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, what are some of your favorite moments in the series that you worked on? And then maybe what are some of the f moments that you didn't work on, but you feel are done really well or very important to the series? Mm -hmm. I think my favorite moments are probably a lot of the fan favorite moments. I, I tend to have a sense of when I'm writing something that, that it, 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 if we execute it right, it could end up being really great. Um, you know, like it's, you know, these games are made by hundreds of people. So it, it requires everyone being, you know, in sync to make these things great. But I, I, I do really love the ending of Revelations. Um, yes. <laughs> I love a lot of the interactions with Sophia as well. I like this idea of this parallel story of like Ezio's kind of falling in love at the same time. He's like murder and baddies. And so he, and he's like, oh, there's a tension there. So I, I really liked all of those um, those moments. Um, I mean, the AC4 was definitely just my favorite to write because every moment felt really great because I really, I was very de dedicated in that one to making sure that the language felt um, stylized in a way that felt older. Um, I know my the historian Colin Woodard, who we used, uh, uh, who was actually my historical research partner because he'd written a great book. When I sent him parts of the script, he's like, it sounds a little more early 18th century than early 17th century, Darby. I'm like, oh, good enough. <laughs> but because uh, <laughs> it's true, because if you try to go full early 17th century and you you try to talk like the general history of pirates, that book, it's pretty thick. 
it's pretty impenetrable. So. Very thick, yes. Yeah, so, so you know, I, I, I bumped it up a little bit, early 18th century. Um, but that, that was just, like, from front to back. Writing like that was really, like... Like, uh, gentlemen, we do not act, you know, uh, what is that? You know, according to our own collective madness. Just that speech, I remember writing it pretty early and having fun writing in that with that cadence and that rhythm and that that style and going like, oh, this will be good. This will be really fun. And the actors had a lot of fun with it. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, I mean, a ton of stuff in Valhalla. I didn't write all of Valhalla, obviously. I was more of like an editor, right? Like, the scripts would come in and I would... I would have a look at them and I would do rewrites where I thought they were necessary, but really that's a, uh, that game is very much a collective effort. Um, that is true. So uh, that, that in and of itself is a very different process and it's a very fun one, but it's quite different than being a solitary writer. And, you know, like I wrote the main path of AC4 and Jill Murray wrote the, all the side content, um, but we did it kind of, I did mine, she did hers, we looked over it together and... And so that I felt more like a writer on that game. Yeah. And so that was just a special one. AC4 is a gem. So is uh, any anything that that you're involved in is a gem, Darby. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, well, but, I could show you some short stories I've written that are that are not a gem. <laughs> we learn as we go. Yep. Um, so, so it's time for the rapid Wait, fire. Wait, clearly question. you've never played The Sims busting out. That's. Sims busting out the Herbs DS, uh, the, all the DS games. My, the, Sims, the Sims Two for the DS. Yeah, yeah. All my me, girlfriend all, all loves me, man. them. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't know who the you Sims, are, but she the loves Sims. the Sims. <laughs> The Sims 2 DS is get, is getting this weird renaissance. Like, search for it on Google. There, are, I've been contacted a number of times for interviews for that. I don't know what's happening, but people are like rediscovering. Or it's people who played it have grown up, and now they're game journalists. <laughs> they want to share their love for it. But that was a wild one. But anyway, that is not the topic of this stream. So, <laughs> so, so uh, let's let's move on to some rapid fire questions. Um, excellent. Excellent. The rules of this, Darby, is you have one or two sentences um, okay. Okay. to say about them. So, love me uh, let's start. Uh, Andiamo. Favorite AC game? AC4. AC4. Yes, 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 yes. Best assassin character? Um, I actually do I mean, quite love Altair. Um, and Connor and Edward, but see, Edward's not really an assassin for most of it. But I still like, yeah, Connor <laughs> oh, there. So it's Edward. equal. Yeah, equal? yeah, yeah. I like Evie okay. as well. Oh, Evie's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the nerdy archer is just being like a, <laughs> like a fan right now. Hey, um, you only get two sentences too. Oh yes. Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> okay. Best Templar. Best Templar, well, um, Ahmed and and uh, Haytham. Um, yeah, that, that's yeah. that's good. Haytham two is words, Haytham three is words, awesome. and. Um, and. So uh, let me see. Uh, the favorite opening scene of an Assassin's Creed game. 
Um, I do like, I, I'm biased because I like the opening of AC4 because it dumps you, jumps you right into the action. I do love the opening of Origins as well because it just gets you right into the character. Um, su- it's a super intense adrenaline shot. So Origins yes, and AC4. <laughs> I never sleep. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, best best theme song or track of, or of Assassin's Creed. Mm, mm, mm. Oh man, there are some Valhalla ones that I, I really, I don't even know the names of them, but just some of the uh, ambient at wandering, like I think there's a Northumbria at night one where you, when you're roaming around that was just, just killed me when I first heard it in the game and it's just, I loved it so much. And there's some Wessex stuff that I really love from Sarah. One was Jesper, one was Sarah. I do also love the Revelations theme because I remember, if you recall, there was actually a contest where uh, we had uh, composed it, but then we did a fan, we, we searched through the fans to see who would sing it. And it was actually a fan who uh, provided the voice for it. So she, uh, she was picked out of, you know, hundreds of entries and we found her. So she's a, that was a really wonderful moment seeing that song come together. So it's kind of, as a, a we, we go look for uh, old YouTube videos uh, uh, documenting that process, but it was I've great. Seen, I've seen that one, I've seen that yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Nice. Um, so, uh, I think you're talking about Valhalla Nights. Um, the song that goes I, I don't to know. Me. I don't know if we if we play it here, but I'll go look yeah, later yeah. and I'll, I will confirm. Yeah. <laughs> um, anywho, uh, next question: Jackdaw or Morgan? Jackdaw. <laughs> Is that a, that's a real question? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I know. No, I'm I, know. I just wanted you to say Jackta. Uh, so, um, also, uh, sticking with the AC Rogue vibes, do you make your own luck? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, that's what Two Face does, though. Uh, uh, that's no. cool. I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm a completely deterministic and materialistic person. I, material in the philosophical materialism, not like I love things, <laughs> but <laughs> but that I'm I'm only flesh and blood, and everything's deterministic, and there's no such thing as luck. <laughs> I don't know, just cool. Cool. that was way more than two uh, sentences. Apologies. Well, uh, we we are going quickly through those so that's good uh so favorite hidden blade oh man i don't think i've looked at them close enough to should should i be obvious and say the hook blade no i don't know um (laughs) you can't i don't i don't don't really know there was something really elegant about Arno's. I, do they do? Do all of them have names? I don't know. And yeah, then Eivor's Ab- 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 was great because I loved I loved the that it's this Viking that has this you know uh, this hidden blade that is from more of like a the Middle Eastern culture. Like it's that contrast is really cool. Um, yeah. So I like that one a lot too. Just the 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 origin of that hidden blade, like the you know how it, how far it traveled to get to Eivor is very cool. It tells a story. Yeah. It's like the red violin, <laughs> something. Plus the backstory that she she loves to show it off, and uh, 
Yeah. We could have we could have um, hinted at Bassem's character where he's like, I brought you something and it's still got like an arm in it and he's like, Oh, <laughs> pardon me. <laughs> and you're like, whose arm is that? And like would that be the subject of a full DLC? <laughs> um Okay, so um another question. Tick locks or foot stomp to open chest? Um well what is it? I'll quit asking your question with a question. Has there ever been a really great lock picking game in any? <laughs> Probably foot stomp, just for the. It depends on the game, right? Like, like if I'm playing like, um, you know, something really grounded, like you know, the Kingdom Come, then I want it like a, a really like authentic lock picking game. But if I'm playing something a little bit more arcadey and like fast paced, then yeah, stomp it, stomp it, mm. crack that open. Definitely. <laughs> Okay, so next question: Were there other titles you were thinking of for AC, Revel AC Revelations? Uh, I had a lot of them. I always like whenever I'm working on something, I like spit. I'm always like bothering the, the PR and marketing. Like, how about this? How about this? How about this? How about this? And then I don't think I'm allowed to actually, you know, tell you what they were. Was it? Is it? Is is there already fan? like knowledge about what there there was like i don't know lost lost legacy <laughs> well yeah yeah no yeah, yeah. but yeah um i think no i, I mean I, it's fine for me like i think i think revelations was a weird one it, it always felt appropriate to me because it was all about Ezio, you know getting these revelatory moments about what he ought to be doing with his life and who he was i'm just a conduit for a message that it I think fans interpreted it like, hey, we're going to tell you everything about what the weird stuff that's happening in this series. And that's not that's not actually. Yeah, that's not actually what we meant by revelations. Like it's it's the revelations were happening to Ezio. We weren't oh, going to be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, we weren't going to be filling the beans like who is the first Civ? You I know, mean, I mean, it, yeah, it, so. it also has a title of like double meaning too, like, you know. Um, but it's a personal m meaning to Ezio, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, being being revealed. Anyway, these are r <laughs> rapid fire. Uh, <laughs> um, we can talk forever about them. But uh, I, I also want uh, wanted to ask you this question: Who did you enjoy writing more for, Basim, Altair, Ezio, Edward, or Eivor, and why? Um. I think, I mean, like I said earlier, Edward was the most fun to write, uh, mainly because it was just such a labor of love from beginning to end, and, and I felt like a a solitary scribbler with my typewriter and my, or my, you know, my napkin and a pencil and and just doing that. Um, Eivor was also actually quite fun because, uh, especially in the early days when it was like, when I was just writing kind of we do sometimes we do a lot of like tone tests like hey what ought this game sound like like let's write some sample scripts and writing with alain mercieca the the writer of origins and he and i were the first uh writers on on the game of valhalla and we would like kind of write out stuff and there, you know there's these things called kennings in in norse uh in old norse where you know like um you know Heart fire would be like ambition, or um, um, raven perch might be your shoulder, right? Using these cool extended metaphors, and so we had a lot of fun writing that. Like, what should that sound like? What should these people sound like? 
Um, mm. So that was quite that was quite fun. And then the, the challenge with t like twelve writers on Valhalla was that how to then take that knowledge and and, and disperse it to twelve very different writers because everyone has a different style. And and it was my first time where I was like, hey, I need to try to get all these writers to write kind of in the same tone so that it feels like one game. And that's where my editorial you know side came in is like once you get scripts, if you feel like a script is not quite in the same style if it's like oh this sounds more like a you know like a you know a, a, a robert town script like it sounds like chinatown and not like a, you know, actually the movie the northman actually has a cool style that also feels drawn from that same well right i don't know if you saw yeah. it but um so that was that was an interesting challenge to to to, to achieve that nice well thank you for um answering that question so thoroughly uh i i wanted a thorough uh question for the last rapid fire question so we got it <laughs> um and now it's time for the silly questions um <laughs> as we're calling them so wolfie take it yep. away so from Sergalens flowers um would like to know how hard was it to come up with the rhymes in the mission where Ezio sings his biographical ditties at the palace party? <laughs> that was that wasn't too hard. So half of those were written by me, and half of those were written by um, Nick Grimwood, who is actually the guy who writes all the crowd chatter. I think he's written them for almost every single Assassin's Creed game, um, hmm. and he's got a bit of a musical poetic sense to him too. Um, and he's written when when you hear a lot of people say like, "What's your favorite lines from Assassin's Creed?" and it, and and some people will pick crowd life dialogue. He wrote all that. Um, like he's late, he must be late, and she must be beautiful. That kind of thing. <laughs> um, I think that's an AC two. Um, so he wrote half of those, and I wrote half. I think there's about twenty of them, um, and it was really fun. I mean, it was. I think it was very quick. We just kind of banged them out over the over one or two nights and uh and we didn't record them to any kind of music we just had this horrible awful music ding -dong, ding -dong, ding -dong, right like on this lyre or lute or whatever it was and it's completely atonal like it just doesn't make any sense and and then roger craig smith he just got in there and he's like okay listening to that great all right now sing as off key as possible okay good so it was, it was fun. amazing yeah. It, it was amazing. It was done so well. Um, yeah. So was the hook and the blade part, which we have come to that question. Uh, mm. The hook and the blade uh, code, Darby, where did yeah. it come from? It's, so it's such I think a catchphrase in the community. Yes, I've told this story before. I, I can't remember exactly how the, the timeline, but what happened was we revealed the, that we had a hook blade, I think, you know, like an early press thing some press preview and fans kept asking like wait, wait I don't get it is it a hook is the blade on the hook or is the is like a two separate things and for some reason like I got worried that fans wouldn't understand so I overwrote the explanation in the script like I think that was one of the last things I wrote because I was like oh the fans are confused as to how it works so it's like oh, I got I better be really ultra clear in retrospect I probably well I mean hey it's it's great everyone loves it Right? It's brilliant. It's the worst it's writing ever, uh, but you know, if <laughs> bad writing can become, it's kind of through some kind of perverse osmosis can be good writing. So, Darby. you know, Darby, why not? 
Let's go. It's an elegant design, okay? It's an elegant yeah, yeah. design. It's an elegant oh, design. Oh, get out of here. Oh, hey, look, guys, that's my time. So, no. <laughs> um, so, Declan, Declan, uh, what's your, what, uh, can you say the, the question from a community member uh, yeah. that was asked? Hey, yes, so this is from Bert Ozturk. Um, why do we go to Cappadocia by ship? There is no sea in Cappadocia. And I don't yeah, know if I, I have... pronounced that right. Yeah, I don't. I always say Cappadocia. Cappadocia. Yeah, Cappadocia. Um, huh. I have no idea. Like, I. I I've. I think most of. I don't know. I don't. You know what I think it was? I think it was that the script actually said Ezio arrives by horse uh, because it's in the middle of, you know, Turkey. Uh, yeah. and, but someone probably politely reminded me is like, like, well, we don't have a horse that we can easily put like mocap and put in and animate in a cutscene. Like, it, like, I think they were doing all their effort on just the ending of Selim. I think if you watch Selim's entrance with, with like lots of guards, it's very, Oh yeah. He's like, it's very like a little wonky, right? It's, it's cause it was like, we don't have that. Right, the horse didn't become a. Well, there's a horse in Brotherhood now that I think about. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why it was by boat. Um, there's sometimes you you write a script and you and you give it to people and then what you get back is like, oh, that's uh, that's different. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and uh, on that note, yeah. I I just wanted to also. Uh, remind people if you have just joined us uh that we are doing a, fu a fundraiser for uh syria and turkey uh cappadocia is in turkey so um yeah any donations that uh you feel you can you, you can give us uh it will be wonderful uh and every dollar helps uh, yeah, every dollar. Yeah, every dollar helps, and especially in Syria and Turkey. Um, so, so yeah, we're doing it for the kids, and we're having a, a good time with with the community with Darby over here. Um, so, uh, Wolfie, what, yep. what was the question uh, that <laughs> community members asked? Uh, yep. Known community members. This one's actually from, from two different, we had two different people who asked pretty much the same question. Uh, Marco from Axis Anonymous, and uh, we had Tax Alex again from Assassin's Creed series. Um, who is the guy on the bench in Embers when Ezio died? And once and for all, was the young Florentine noble in Embers a Templar or not? You're not gonna answer that question, are you? <laughs> no, there, there is no, there is no answer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, why is it? Why is it? <laughs> well, I, there, there's no answer. I don't even know it. I don't even know it. I didn't like that guy. Just showed up and you know and, and sat down and like I, I have no idea. I was he wasn't even in the script. He just showed up and sat down and he just started talking. Yeah. And, I don't know. While hey, we were I'm shooting, we're, while, while we were shooting, we're like, who's that guy? And then it turned out like our lead. Our lead was dead after that, so we're like, "What the? <laughs> what did we do? We had to. So we had a whole. It was actually supposed to be a full-length feature film, but he died, you know, twenty-three <laughs> minutes into it. So what do we, you know? <laughs> well, one day, one day, you'll, 
you'll answer that question. If, if, <laughs> if he writes, if that guy writes me an email and tells me <laughs> I, I am a Templar, or I am just a guy, or I am a ghost. <laughs> He'll come haunt you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until he tells me, uh, I don't know. There's no answer to that question. Uh, um, sir, if you... sir, if you're if you're on the internet in Renaissance Italy right now, please uh, contact Arsh the assassin and our wolf. I will Wolfie. get in touch with Darby. Yeah, yeah, and, and let me know. Uh, yeah, um, Declan, uh, you. You had a question about um, a game that you and Darby both both like, right? <laughs> yes, um, my, me and Darby have a few games in common. Uh, this question's from MC Gillies Farid. I think I pronounced that right. Did John from IT play Dark Souls, and what was his favorite video game if he played any? And John from IT, he started Dark Souls six times, and he can't get past the Asylum beast, the, the Asylum demon, and uh, you know it's embarrassing, really. You know, just, just, sum, just summon somebody, just summon somebody, accept help, John. <laughs> you know? um, it's okay to ask for help. Yeah, <laughs> this is a community. We're we're all in this together. No, he just yeah. He, he probably doesn't even like video games. He probably just <laughs> watches a lot of TV. Uh, he's, a, he's obsessed about Juno, that's enough. Dreams for Juno, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't even have time to play games. He's like, how do I resurrect my beloved wife who's been dead for 75,000 years? <laughs> um, okay. I think. And so from, yeah, speaking from, of Juno. Yeah, yeah we have. Uh, go ahead. We have we have uh, qu another question from Marco uh, from Access the Animus. Uh, he only gets one. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. If he, yeah, okay, you can ask it, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'm gonna ask something in return. It's actually it's it, it's actually a two-part question. Uh, I think. So, what was truly in the box uh, of of Ezio Darby? Hmm. Uh, that's quotations from him um okay. and uh the second question is did subject 16 truly die in revelations okay okay well um what's in the box i don't know just like Ezio's hopes and dreams i guess yeah um, yeah and a map and, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and uh another box <laughs> um and then uh did subject 16 really die well i think I think uh, it, the thing is, is like considering what he was, um, there, this is a question that gets back to what you call the um, maybe the transporter problem. Like he uploaded his consciousness into this, you know, let's say the gray or whatever. Um, presumably, it's very easy to replicate that consciousness if he's just a digital entity. So maybe there's another subject 16. Is it the same subject 16? That's the whole essence behind the the transporter problem is like if 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 you're transported from here to there and you they kill this body and they recreate this body are you the same person or are you a new person with the memories of the old person so maybe maybe there's a subject 16 out there that's actually um a copy of the original but he didn't go through what that version went through so maybe he's out there again um presumably we could use him again Anybody who's in that state, we could use again. You know, they're they're digital. You know, maybe maybe somebody's made a, a, a yeah, multiple copies of oh. all these people. 
oh, the questions in the future will yeah, leave yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. We we'll, don't know. We'll leave that. We'll leave that to um, to that to the future. Um, okay. <laughs> but but yeah, James, uh, I, I think you had a you had a question from a fan too, right? I do. Uh, yes. Ask. Um. And... <coughs> I do. So. Um, I read this question out just as my dog decides to start barking at a cat outside, which I hope the microphone doesn't pick up. But anyway, let's go with it. So, last question um, from Diecast314. Darby, at one point, mentioned that he still had an old draft of Lost Legacy before it was turned into Revelations. Will we ever get to hear anything about that original story? Ah, Yes. How about I read you some of that story right now? No. no. That's... <laughs> How about that? Yeah, actually, it's funny. It's, yeah, because the question you mentioned at one point, it's like, yeah, I actually mentioned it earlier in the stream sort of by accident. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 I do have that I old script. I was like wondering I have, about, about Lost Legacy. Yeah, I do have the old script. I have a, uh, it's a full script of the game. It's, I don't think it's a particularly good script, but what's interesting about it is that it actually has... Um, we actually had an old codex that we were going to do all, or, uh, uh, sorry, um, historical database. We were going to go all, do all these database entries. We also did um, something like 30 entries for Niccolo and Maffeo Polo. So the journal that's just handed over to um, uh, Altair, or no, the reverse. Sorry, no, no, that's Altair's codex. Um, oh, wait, I'm, now I'm getting confused. But anyway, the point is we had a... We had a Niccolo Polo's journal where you get to sort of read his entire journey, his meeting with Altair. And then I had written some extra Altair codex entries uh, for the last part of his life. So if, with your permission, I'll read you the, the final three Altair uh, codex entries that never saw the light of day. And in fact, uh, hinted at a slightly different ending than Revelations ended up having. So this is, unfortunately, this is non-canon because... Um, of the, the state of mind that you'll hear Altair is in. Um, but uh, if that's okay, I will read it. Please, please do. Please do. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank so, you. Thank you for putting it here. <laughs> so this is now, keep in mind, this was written in, I have not changed a word, so there might even be like weird phrasings here. But this was written in the middle, so the summer of 2010, before Brotherhood had even come out, um, and before Revelations was an apple in anyone's eye. So, uh, yeah, so what you hear here will maybe hint at other kind of directions the ending could have gone. But anyway, so Altair writes, We have gathered, discussed, and dispersed. The verdict is final. Masyaf will be abandoned. Our beloved castle, so useful for so long, is now a beacon for those who would see us annihilated. The assassins will operate in shadows, spread out over continents, living in secret among the people we protect, not above them. Step by step, we will route the Templars. A young man named Niccolo will return our message to the West, first to Constantinople, then to Venezia. My sons have done the same through Northern Africa. This is how it must happen. This is how our message will be spread. On the strength of our message, not our steel. Oh, I am, that's... I am, <laughs> I'm just going to read them all, and then you can... Then you can Take notes, take notes. Page two, or, or let's say the penultimate page. I am well beyond the twilight of my life. It is midnight, and there are no stars and no moon to see by. No man should live as long as this. 
my sons, old enough to be grandfathers, and my Maria, so gone so long, which of my memories of her are true, and which were projections of that accursed apple? Did I bury her with my own hands, or delegate this task to another? Damn that artifact. Twenty years of my life stolen, replaced by insipid fables and tantalizing dreams. Final entry. Wow. I have done my part. If only I had found the modesty to speak these words earlier, I might have died sooner, yet lived a fuller life. But the apple lured me away with lies. You will solve the riddle, Altair. You will defeat the Templars and find the secret of the ones who came before. I was always one step away, brushing my fingertips against the truth, so close to understanding. And now I'm at the end of my journey. My hands are empty, and I am alone. Oh. <laughs> Bravo. Oh, wow. Goosebumps. Yes, I think you... I think you can you can interpret that the sort of his last days in this version were uh, you know quite quite a bit more tragic. Like the idea that he had studied this apple for so long and it actually just filled his head with with sort of nonsense or or he couldn't see truth from fiction anymore and um, and so he kind of had to sort of like <laughs> give it up and and lock it away or something. Yeah. So, yeah, he was, he was kind of like losing his mind, uh, yeah. yeah, in a way, and and wow, yeah, what great re re what great reflections. The, there's a there's a lot of suspense in there, and 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 a lot, a lot that like Etio Etio could have like learned from and stuff like that, yeah. Like, do you think that that's why maybe like uh, Etia was like, oh no, I, I've had enough of you apples. I, well, I don't think I don't think in, in revelate the revelations that came to be. I don't think Altair is nearly that far gone, right? I think he's he he's tired certainly, and he's he feels like I think there's a sense that he he pushed himself to the limit, but he's like now it's time for the new generation to take it forward. Um, but uh, but I don't think there's that deep sense of like being led astray. It's all I mean, I think I remember writing it like it was almost intended to be like he was some kind of he was addicted to that apple. Like it was showing him things and he couldn't look away. Um, and this is, of course, before. Right. If you think about the time it was written, it's like the only thing that, that anyone knew about these apples was from AC one and two. Right. Even Brotherhood wasn't out yet. And, and I was writing as, as, like, I think the writers of the, at the time were like Corey and Jeffrey, right? And so I was maybe the third writer of, on this series, I believe. Um, and so we're kind of still feeling out like, what are these Apple? What's what's the what's the full range of capabilities of these pieces of Eden? Like, we're we're still kind of in you know inventing that. It, I'm, as I was writing that, I'm sure Jeffrey was writing the you know Brotherhood. So. We're still yeah. at the very beginning of this journey, and I and I think uh, now I think this script was approved by Corey. I think he read it and was like, "Yeah, that fits with what we did in Assassin's Creed 2 and what we're planning to do in AC3." So I'm I'm pretty sure this is a fairly final script. It might have gone through some revisions, but that was that was uh, yeah. Well, um, so it's fun. It's, it's, it's thank nice. You. Yeah. Yeah, well, expect, so of course, the access the Animus breakdown uh, within, yes. within, about, <laughs> within about three hours. Yeah, Marco's already know. edited it. <laughs> Marco's like, ooh, goodies. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> got a lot of stuff, Marco. Go work. Go work. Um, uh, oh, hey, he's di- he's direct messaging me right now. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Not a surprise. <laughs> oh man, uh, that's cool. That's cool. But, but yeah, uh, well, that about wraps up um, the 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 questions. That's a good good point to uh, leave on. Uh, I think like. <laughs> obviously and yeah thank you so much darby for for your time um for your attention uh to the cause uh, we're really grateful that you had the chance to like come and talk to us and raise awareness about uh what's happening in turkey and syria so we're really grateful thank you so much it's, it's a pleasure as always it's good to see everybody again yeah uh it indeed is and as as for you uh guys uh in in the chat we still have a lot of uh thing community events uh planned we we in fact have a live stream from overly sarcastic productions uh coming up in one hour uh we're gonna be playing bonfire of the vanities so uh, come over there, and it's on YouTube. Come over there. You can win some giveaways, too, over there. And, uh, yeah, just help raise awareness. Uh, give us your retweets, your likes, your, uh, your, your reposts. And if you can, donate for a good cause to help the children in Turkey and Syria. Um, James, Declan, it's your show, so um, finish it up. <laughs> I don't think there's any better way we can finish it than that. Thank you, for everyone, for uh, for watching, for listening. Thank you for everyone who donated. And as, as Arshak said, there's still a lot more um, what we hope is entertaining and enjoyable content to come over the next, what, is it four days, five days? So, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me too. I really I really appreciated this. And, Darby, it was wonderful to, to chat with you again. Thank you. Thank you for having me.